be seated. This week we're, uh, we're continuing our series exploring the way that God invites us in love to be new and to be a part of making things new. And so I was thinking back about this time when I was helping out with children's vacation Bible school, and uh, about halfway through the week, there was this new girl who came and joined us, and so I wanted her to feel welcome. So I got, gathered everybody together, and I was like, hey, everybody, I want you to meet someone. I want you to make her feel welcome. This is Mandy, and she's new. And Mandy, like, just shot up her eyes at me and glared at me and said, I'm not new. I'm five years old. <laughs> it's like, uh, from the mouths of five-year-olds, right? Because that's the problem, I think, when we try to be new and make new resolutions and new changes, is that we're not new. <laughs> we're five years old, or 25 years old, or 35, or 85 years old. We've been around the block a time or two, Sonny, right? Sometimes it's just hard to break through the old patterns and the old systems and the old structures and do something new. And sometimes running into that can be disheartening. And so this, this week, as I prepared and we prepared to observe Martin Luther King Jr. Sunday here, as I prepared to talk about being a part of making the world new, this week we saw something old resurface, um, this prejudice that seems like it's ever present with us. And no matter what our political persuasion, of the reports of, of racist worldviews and offensive language just broke our hearts. It broke my heart, and I'm sure it broke yours as well, because it breaks our God's heart, the God of all people, of all nations, who created all people of sacred worth. And so I, I want to, as we begin this morning, just speak to this briefly. Um, countries that were included in that reported denigration are places where Lindsay and I and many of you I know have friends, uh, friends who, who despite incredible obstacles, sometimes because of their country's colonial history, even in spite of that, are working to make their countries better. Men and women who inspire us with their resilience, their commitment, their faith, their exemplary character, whose countries and cultures are beautiful. And I want my kids to know those people. But even more than that, I want my kids to know that there is no one who is less worthy because of where they were born. And so we may differ on certain policies, and that's okay, but we all agree on this, that as followers of Christ, we are called to love, to respect for all, because we're bound together in mission and in life with Christ who's at work for love in all places, in all people. And so we're bound together with all of God's children, no matter the country of their birth. So this past week, I, I got a letter from our bishop here in the North Texas Conference of the United Methodist Church, Reverend Mike McKee. And he wrote this, this letter calling on us all to not only stand up for the people of these nations, but to stand with them. And I hope as we're able, that we will as well. So just last week, we heard this new commandment that Jesus invites us to and calls us to. He said, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, you should also love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love 
for one another. They will know us by our love. So may we do our part to make our God known, to let the world know the love of God for all people by saying no to racism, by saying no to discrimination, no to bigotry, and to say with everything we are and everything we do, not in my country, not in my community, not in my name, and certainly not in the name of the God who calls us to love and respect for all, to love just as we've been loved. Amen? Amen. In the words of the Apostle Peter, um, oy vey. <laughs> in the words of my grandmother, uh, Lord have mercy. Um, sometimes when the old way surfaces and shows up, it just reminds us of the power of that old stuff, of the powers and the prejudices that are with us still in this world. And it makes me wonder, can all things really be made new? And so that's why I think it's providential that this very week, we as a nation are engaging with the legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I've been turning to Dr. King and other women and men of the civil rights era often lately because it was a time when the church was a part of making the world new. Not all churches, of course, but the courageous, compassionate, creative, Christ-like churches. And so Dr. King challenges me and gives me hope. And he wrote this, and I think it resonates with us even still. We can accept finite disappointment, but we must never lose our infinite hope. And Dr. King could say that and rest his life in that hope because his hope was in something more than the real struggles he was experiencing in this finite world. It was in the infinite love and righteousness and justice of God, hope in a love that's greater than anything, that makes all things new in a love that wins. But even as we hope, and even as we're reminded not to lose heart, I think we also need to hear the call to not just be bystanders, that we're called as God's people to loving action in our communities, in our homes, in our workplaces, in ways that are small, in ways that are big, in every way we can, choosing in faith and in love to be new when all around us is old, to trust that the love that we reflect is infinitely powerful, no matter how small or unnoticed or how finite it seems at times. Dr. King said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Keep being a part of God's love that's making all things new. So the witness of Dr. King and those around him, I think they give us hope in our time that things really can be new. But their struggle also reminds us that it's not easy, that these things are truly deep and old. Because even 50 years after Dr. King, it seems like there's still incredible divisions and walls between us in our world, and sometimes increasingly so. Age, race, class, politics, gender, nationality, identity. That some of us listen to, to Kanye, and some of us listen to Enrique, some of us listen to Country, um, <laughs> all of us listen to Beyonce, of course, right? 
Diversity is beautiful, but division harms the heart of God. And there's this part of us that knows that, knows that the the divisions between us are not the way that things are supposed to be, that the walls that divide us from one another are not right. Because at the core of us, we are children of God, each carrying the image of God with us, all of us of sacred worth. And we are bound together, called to love called to love of God, and in the same way, love of our neighbor just as ourself. And the beauty of Dr. King's dream is that it reflects that dream of God's, that holistic dream of unity. And it was more than that, just that the walls between us be torn down, and they should be, but that in their place would be more than just the absence of division, but something new in its place a bridge between us, a bridge that brings us together, that connects us in unity, especially in our diversity, something new. And so Dr. King said this in one of his sermons. He said, desegregation will bring down legal barriers and bring men together physically, but something must happen so as to touch the hearts and souls of men that they will come together, not because the law says it, but because it is natural and right. The end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. The beloved community was was the language of the civil rights movement. It was this picture of a new kind of community with unifying love at its core. And when Dr. King glimpsed this and lifted up, He was lifting up what had been God's vision all along of the kingdom of God, this new kind of kingdom without walls where Christ has cleared the table and let something grow from the love that sits at its heart. Something new, love of God and neighbor and ourselves, the beloved community. And so that's why for Dr. King and for Jesus, the only way to work toward this community was nonviolence, was action taken in love. Because the end is a community built in love and how we get there matters. The means create the ends. And so in building from that love, Dr. King was simply carrying on the mission of Jesus. Jesus was doing that very same thing and calls us to be a part of that in our time as well. See, Jesus' world back then was full of divisions and full of walls separating people. And so to bring about this new thing that God was doing amongst us, Jesus had to break some walls down in the process. And so he simply, as he went and as he acted, he loved like there was no such thing as walls. His invitation was simple and revolutionary. He said, anyone, whosoever, all who would come, come no matter gender or race or nationality. And he just like busted through the walls that existed like he was the Kool-Aid man. But more than that, he spoke to the wall builders and he said things like this from Matthew chapter 23, 13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you lock people out of the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) Just a sledgehammer, isn't it? But wall breaking is not enough, though it is incredibly important. Jesus was a bridge builder. 
And this is something that Dr. King and Jesus got right. At the heart of this story is a new thing that's rooted in love. And so all are invited and all are welcome. And so Jesus was a bridge builder in every single way because those very same Pharisees and hypocrites that he spoke to were always invited and always welcomed. And some of them came to sit with him. He invited all people, no matter what, to come and connect with God. And when we got there, he started to connect us to each other and teach us that in the same way that we love God, we're to love our neighbor. That the vertical relationship with God and the horizontal relationship with our neighbor are equally important. And that building a wall here and building a wall here or here around us just might build a wall here between us and God. And so this kind of radical, restorative, reconciling, bridge-building love is incredibly challenging because it's easier, I think, just to pick teams and divide up in our little groups. It's a constant challenge, and it's a call to all of us to keep moving forward and to go forward together. And so it should comfort us as we face this incredible challenge of going forward together that it was a challenge for the first followers of Jesus as well. It took them a while to understand just how profound Jesus' message was and what it called of them in their life. But, but over and over again, as they, as they wrestled with this question of what God meant when God said, all are invited— at each juncture, they just kept remembering this commandment of Jesus to love as we've been loved, to welcome as we've been welcomed. And when the followers of Jesus finally began to open their eyes to what Jesus was up to, this wall-breaking, bridge-building work in our world, the excitement of what they caught on to just leaps off the pages that they wrote in their communities, like this passage that Paul writes in Galatians. He says, there's no longer Jew or Greek, there's no longer slave or free, there's no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. There's no walls, but there is this unifying bridge of Christ that unites us all. And I put an exclamation point at the end of that verse, um, just so you could hear how excited it sounds in the original Greek. Um, they were, it just leaps off the page. And I keep using that metaphor of, of walls and divisions intentionally because the early followers of Jesus understood it that same way. Back then, the primary division, the primary wall ethnically was between Jews and non-Jews or Gentiles. Culturally, Jews were not to associate with Gentiles. They couldn't eat with them at the lunch counter or ride buses with them. But here's how they began to understand that Christ was doing something new. And that newness called us to a new relationship together. So here's what they write in Ephesians chapter 2. But now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he's made both groups into one. And he has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us. He's abolished the law with its commandments and its ordinances so that he might create in himself one new humanity in the place of two, thus making peace. So he came 
And he proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. (laughs) That passage is so incredibly powerful and beautiful that the wall between us has simply been broken down in Christ. But not just between us, between us, between all people and God as well. Jesus has abolished the law and its commandments is what it says. All those old things that we feel separate us from God and from each other are gone. And God's love is freely extended to all people. Jesus has cleared the table and is beginning to build something new. And what is super cool and amazing about this is that this wall-breaking idea wasn't just a metaphor back then. It was real life. See, the temple in Jerusalem was this special place where historically the Jewish people uh, believed that God kind of symbolically resided there. And it was, the temple was like this big rectangle that was divided into parts by a series of walls, these four walls and sections. And so I've invited some friends up here, some courageous friends, to come help us demonstrate kind of what it was like back in temple life then. So come on up, Hannah, Christian, Abby, Allie. All right, Um, let's pretend like Lane Stratocaster is God right here. Um, If you're a guitar player, that'll make total sense to you. Um, Hannah, you get to be a priest, um, which was a Jewish man who was specially holy beyond anyone else. And so you get to be the closest to God. So in the temple, the priests were allowed to go the closest, and then there was a wall right here. And only the priests, only the special sacred men were allowed to go. And then Ali, you get to be a good Jewish man, and so you can come a little bit closer here. Um, And then there was a wall right here. And Christian, you get to be a good Jewish woman. And so you were allowed to go this close, but not any closer. And then there was a wall. And Abby, you get to be the Gentile seekers who were interested in this and wanted to worship God, but were the wrong ethnicity. And so here we have the hierarchy around the temple. But what's even crazier is that there was another wall around all of it. And those on the outside were those who either didn't care or those who had been born in such a way back then, in a way that was considered an infirmity, that the law said that they could not come through the walls of the temple. And all of you out there were called the far off. The far off. You remember that from the verse that we read? So that was the hierarchy. The priests, the men, the women the others of other ethnicities, and the rest of us, the far off. Some of you have experienced religion just like that, haven't you? We feel like there's these walls and these things that separate us from God because of our gender, our nationality, our questions, or our doubts. The way we were born, our story separates us from God, and it looks a lot like this. And so for them, and I think for us too, when it says that Christ abolished the law and its commandments and broke down the dividing walls between the near and the far off, bringing us together in himself in peace, it meant something real and it meant something powerful in their day. It meant that Jesus was like 
like Oprah with a wrecking ball, <laughs> just going, your wall comes down, and your wall comes down, and you get a wall that comes down, and you get a wall that comes down too. And all of a sudden, there's nothing that separates us from God. And so all of you were allowed to just like bum rush the Stratocaster if you wanted to. Just go encounter God. But God said something even more amazing than that. God says that I have drawn near to you. That I'm big enough to cover you wherever you are. The near and the far off have been brought together in Christ. What's incredible about this is that when we stand with no walls between us and God, that means that we stand with no walls between us and each other, right? There's nothing that separates us from each other. And so you guys can just do like a big group hug right here in the middle if you want to. If we stand, oh, that's beautiful. That's awesome. That's way more beautiful than I imagined in my head. If we all stand equally before God, then there's no ranking, there's no difference between us and each other. Then what grounds do we have for division, for ranking among ourselves? This unconditional love of God for all people and for us unites us together. It is the bridge in Christ. All people are of sacred worth. This is not to be a community of hierarchy, but one of higher love and group hugs <laughs> wherever we go, of universal grace, a beloved community with love at its heart. And that is so incredibly new, and it's what we're called to. It's beautiful, I think. All right, so give them a hand. Thank you so much. You guys make very good Jewish men and women. Well done. So we want that to start here. We want this to be a community that's a bridge that helps people, all people, connect with God and connect with each other no matter what. And so that's why we say clearly and we say plainly that God is a God of all people, building a community without walls. In God, Jesus was doing something brand new with love at its heart. We don't want it to stop in this room with us, do we? So we've got, we've got work to do. We've got work to do here, and we've got work to do in our world as well, because there are walls and divisions. There is a hierarchy throughout our society. That old stuff, that old temple mentality, has this way of just hanging around in our world. So think about your own life. Where do you see those walls and divisions where do you see people feeling far off, people feeling less than? That hierarchy appears in so many ways in our world. Religion, class, ethnicity, race, orientation, ability, all of these things. We're called to be wall breakers and bridge builders in the name of Christ, to listen to the stories, to learn about the lives of others, and to above all, to love as we've been loved, and to welcome as we've been welcomed. So a while back, um, I had my own eyes opened to the way that this temple mentality, I think, plays out in everyday life. Um, I was at a training on race and culture that was, uh, it was actually a really good training on race and culture, which was groundbreaking in itself. Um, 
but it really, it opened my eyes to some things. So we, we did this exercise that was designed to help us learn and recognize the reality of cultural privilege in our world. And so the people who were gathered were a bunch of, of pastors and friends of mine who were all at the same stage of life, but all of us from different backgrounds and stories. And they lined us up shoulder to shoulder with each other, and they began to ask us these questions. And so as we stood there shoulder to shoulder, if we could answer yes to one of the questions, we were to take a step forward on our way. And so they started to ask us these simple things like, if one of your parents went to college, take a step forward. That steps forward. If you studied the culture of your ancestors in elementary school, take a step forward. If your bosses are usually the same gender as you, take a step forward. At a store, if you ask to see the manager and you expect that that manager probably looks like you, take a step forward. And on and on the questions went. And after about 20 of these, me, all the way across the room, looked back and turned around, and I saw my friends and my colleagues five steps behind, 10 steps behind, 20 steps behind me. And at that moment, what I saw was the temple. I saw the hierarchy. I saw those who felt far off. I saw privilege, and I saw walls that were built between us before we even began this life, and it broke my heart. Because though we were united in Christ, though we stood equal before God, in very real ways in our world, we do not stand equal, and that's the real experience of many people in our world, in our country, from countries across the world. I began to think as I looked back of all the ways that I'd seen this play out over and over and over again in elementary school, in middle school, in high school, in college, in career, in the world, and the difference that it made for me and for my friends. So I was, I was a little shaken by this, just this vision of the temple again in our world. And so I asked my friend, what do, what do I do <laughs> As someone who stands all the way across the room, what can I do? And they said, first, listen. Listen. Use your ears and listen to the story and the experiences and the very real challenges and the real hopes and dreams of those around you. And believe them when they tell you. Listen. Use your ears. And they said, and then, then advocate. Use your voice. Use your privilege. Work to break down walls and to speak up and to speak out on behalf of those around you. Shut down those unwholesome Facebook threads when you can. Use your privilege and use your voice. And then build bridges. Use your heart and act in love. Be intentional and be strategic about living and loving like there are no walls in our world. And knowing that this very real divide sometimes is there 
we're called to go out of our way to overcome it. Just like the Christ who went out of his way to welcome the near and the far off and went and met people where they were. Go out of your way to overcome the walls in our world. If you were a boss, make sure that when you call back John, you call back Juan, and you call back Jana too, for good measure. When you're in high school or middle school, go out of your way to break down those unspoken walls of cafeteria tables and the way we divide up and sit in our groups. Be intentional. For all of us, check our stereotypes when they show up and those first impressions that we have of people based on the color of their skin or their accents or the way that they dress. And for all of us, be intentional about meeting someone new, being those who step through those invisible walls and begin to build relationships and build bridges because there is nothing that tears down walls more than friendship, than getting to know someone, learning to love them, and to care about who they are. Nothing breaks down walls and builds bridges like friendship does. So for me, as a preacher guy, um, on the micro- you know, with a microphone who gets to stand on a stage, that is a great position of opportunity. And so I need to be better about lifting up other voices, lending my opportunity to make sure that other voices and stories get represented and that they get to tell their story as well. For all of us, wherever we are, the way forward, the way to be new in this is simple. Love as you've been loved. Those of us who've been welcomed when we were far off, love in that same way. Those of us who once stood behind walls, but those walls have been broken down, love in that same way. Use your ears, use your voice, use your heart, and love in action. That old temple mentality is around us in this world, but Christ knocked down the walls and welcomed us to God and welcomed us, I think, in a new way to each other as humanity. We're called to do the same. But the amazing thing about a wall knocked down is this wall that once stood between us, when we knock it down, it can become a bridge that connects us to each other, a bridge to something new. And we want that. Our God wants that for us. So let's be wall breakers. Let's be bridge builders. Let's be people who make this world new. I want to close with the rest of that Martin Luther King quote that I read earlier from his sermon. He said this, the end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. It's being united together. It's the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opponents into friends, that can build bridges. It is this type of understanding goodwill that will transform the deep gloom of the old age into the exuberant gladness of the new age. It is this love which will bring about miracles in the hearts of men. Let's pray together. Eternal God, 
out of whose mind came this great cosmic universe in all of its diversity. Help us to seek what is high and noble and good. Help us to be new when all around us is old. God, we thank you for Christ who broke down the walls that we might meet you, but also that the walls between each of us might be torn down as well. Grant that we might, as he has taught us, love you with all our hearts and our souls and our minds and love our neighbors as we love ourselves, even and especially our neighbors who consider ourselves enemies. God, we thank you that you believe in us, that you call us to be a beloved community, your church founded on you. We thank you that you challenge us to do more than sing and pray, but to go out and work as though the answers to our prayers depended on us, God. Help us to realize that all humanity was created to shine like stars in the universe, to live on eternal together. And so keep us, we pray, in perfect peace. Help us walk together, pray together, sing together, and live together until that day when all of God's children will rejoice as one common band of humanity, the beloved community, in the reign of our Lord, of our God, in the newness of your love. We pray this in your name.